scripture we should look at tonight and which one would best fit the new year or fit in still with the, the Christmas theme. And uh, I just couldn't figure out exactly who best fit that particular uh, theme. But the Lord led me to a character from the Old Testament, the book of Judges. Uh, I think I have maybe mentioned uh, her before because she is also considered a prophetess. And I mentioned her, I think, when we were talking about Anna. But we'll look at Deborah tonight from Judges 4 and actually chapter 5 as well. Deborah. Now, Deborah is a character from the book of Judges that stands out in a little bit of an unusual way because she's the only female judge of all of the judges in the book of Judges, which we know the theme of the book of Judges is every man doing what is right in his own eyes. We'll see at this point, at this juncture, the fourth judge in the series of Judges is a woman who steps into this role of leadership and judge when there was really no man to be found who would step up and, and lead and be the judge and be the, the courageous leader and man of God that he should be. There was such a lack of male leadership that in this cycle of Israel in the book of Judges, by the fourth judge, there's literally no man of God who God could call to be in a place of leadership and to lead as judge in uh, the nation of Israel. There's no king. Uh, this is the time of the judges when Israel should be submitting to God as their king in a theocracy, but they have chosen to do what is right in their own eyes. They've rejected uh, Joshua's uh, leadership and those who uh, were under Joshua's leadership. And by the third generation, the nation descends into this form of anarchy and doing what is right in their own eyes. And we're seeing that more and more in Western civilization. We are looking more and more like the book of Judges now here in America, here in Western civilization. And everybody pretty much deciding truth for themselves, deciding for themselves what they're going to do and what is right for me may not be right for you, but get out of my way because I'm going to do what I think is right for me. And you have to accept me for who I am and celebrate me for who I am. And if you don't celebrate me, then you're going to get canceled or so on and so forth. And so we see this depravity of man's heart once again coming out as our culture seems to descend more and more into this expressive individualism and anarchy and all that goes with it. We talked about this when we went through the life of Gideon, this cycle of Israel in the book of Judges, where they would fall into sin, they would commit often sins of idolatry and immorality, and then there would be an oppression by one of the nations or nation-states there in Canaan and in the Middle East in that area, and God would bring that particular a nation into a place of dominance over Israel, and often 
subjugate Israel to some sort of cruel oppression, and uh, that nation would uh, bring, obviously, violence and hardship uh, to Israel, and eventually they would then repent. They would come to a place where they would cry out to God, and God would bring a judge to bring deliverance. And we are going to look at Deborah tonight as one of those judges. That would then bring a time of peace and obedience, but sadly, this cycle would continue over and over and over again until Samuel, the last judge, comes on the scene and leads Israel in righteousness and then eventually anoints the first king, King Saul. So this is going to take place, as we look at the land of Israel, this is going to take place in uh, this area where you see the kingdom of Hazor, as we look at Judges 4, verse number 1, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. He was the third judge. Now verse 2, And the Lord sold them into, into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron in twenty years. He mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So we see on the map uh, behind me, uh, we see the kingdom of Hazor, where Jabin is the king, and then we see down here uh, Bethel, and then let me go to the next slide, and it's a little bit smaller, so it's a little bit harder to see, but uh, we have up here, uh, here's Deborah as one of the judges, and then we see Bethel and Ramah, so this is where she is serving as judge, and then Hazor is all the way up here north of uh, the Sea of Galilee up here. So that is where his kingdom is, and then he will come down, and of course, as he dominates Israel, he brings severe oppression, hardship for 20 years. And Deborah uh, sits under this palm tree where apparently she would sit and exercise judgment, and issues would be brought to her. She would lead from that place. It became known as the palm tree of Deborah there in the, uh, the mountain country uh, of Ephraim. And again, for sake of geography, we see Ephraim here. So Bethel and Ramah, she would be in this hill country here. And then Jabin would come down and he would bring his oppression down through the nation of Israel. So we see Deborah comes on the scene here as the fourth judge. She's identified as a prophetess. Now, once again, we don't need to get too carried away with this term prophetess, as some groups of religious people, particularly the charismatics, like to do. They love to take this term prophetess and run with it and make much more of it than the Word of God actually says or reveals to us. And there's only uh, a few women who are even designated as prophetesses in Scripture. Anna was one that we looked at already. And here, of course, is Deborah. There was another prophetess named Huldah. And then 
We don't really know much about her at all. And then Philip's daughters were prophetesses. And then Isaiah's wife, the prophet Isaiah, his wife was called a prophetess, but it doesn't seem to be any more than just because she was the wife of the, the prophets. But we have to understand that a prophetess is simply a woman who was given the privilege of delivering the word of God in a special circumstance. Okay, that doesn't mean that she was a source of divine revelation. It doesn't mean that she holds an office in the church. It doesn't mean that she then, by the application of these relatively few passages, that therefore a woman should be a pastor or a deacon and be in that office of leadership in the church. Those are are not what a prophetess is uh, given as, a, as her responsibility in scriptures. It doesn't mean that she didn't have a significant role. Of course she did. It doesn't mean that women don't have significant roles in the church today. Of course they do. But we have to make sure that we keep the term prophetess in uh, its proper place and understanding it by what the scriptures say. She was also a wife. All we know is that she was the wife of Lapidoth. But I do think that it's important that we understand that she had that important role. She was a wife. Now, she's a prophetess, verse number four. She's the wife of Lapidoth, and then it's mentioned that she judges Israel at that time. She had three important roles, prophetess, wife, and judge. But we see her exercising this, each of these responsibilities in a way that is within the will of God. And we'll look at uh, some of this uh, in detail as we, as we move along here. But it is important that we understand that she did have the, the role of being a wife and how important that role is. And those of us as husbands, we say a hearty amen because we know how important our wives are in our lives. Uh, and we know the, the role they play, the support they, uh, they give us. Uh, we know how much uh, they are uh, a helper to us and a complementer to us as our as our help meets. And uh, just read again in the book of Proverbs in my devotions, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And we thank the Lord for our wives. She was the only female judge, as I mentioned already. She judged Israel at that time. God raised her up at a time when no man was willing or qualified to be in this leadership role. And it's sad. At the same time, we are thankful for Deborah. We're thankful that she was willing, that she was in a place where God could use her. But she was an exceptional leader, not just in the way that she led. She led with courage she led with wisdom, she led with humility, she led with strength, and she led by God's power. But she was exceptional in her leadership in that she had to step up because there was no man who would stand in the gap. And that speaks to the shame of Israel at this time. And it's not in any way trying to be negative toward Deborah or toward women in general, but we have to understand that as we look around in our society, as I, I know I bring it up quite a bit, 
but there is a dearth of male leadership in our society. There are more and more single women, unmarried women, young women who are saying, where are the godly men? Where are the godly men who will be leaders in the home and servants and love the Lord and love me and go out and be responsible as the guide, as the leader, as the protector of the home and the family? Where is that man today? It seems like more men are, interest, men are more interested in winning the levels of their video games of, I don't know, flipping burgers at McDonald's or Burger King. They're more interested in living at home and living off mom and dad. Uh, they're more interested in their toys and their games than they are at being a man and being responsible and being the hard worker and the leader and a servant leader in the home. And being strong. And part of being a man is having responsibilities. We as men cannot run from responsibilities. One of the problems in our society that is really a symptom of a, of a greater problem, abortion is a major problem in our culture. And the immorality that leads to abortion is actually, a, in some ways, is, as big as or greater than the sin of abortion, of murdering an unborn child. But the immorality that goes before that, much of that responsibility falls on the man who is immoral and sees women as nothing but objects and treats them in such a way and is going to fall under God's judgment. And the irresponsibility and the immorality of men is promoted by the abortion industry. Not necessarily on the headlines, but the undercurrent of irresponsibility and immorality of men is promoted through abortion in a lot of other ways. Pornography and various other immoral vices in our culture. I don't know what all was going on in Israel at this time. We know there was idolatry. We know that there was immorality. But Deborah had to step up because there were no men except for a barrack who basically had to be kicked in the seat of the pants to help her out instead of being the one to step out in front and be the leader like he should have been. It's a symptom of a greater problem in society when men are not the leaders in their homes and it then affects the church as well because we have weak churches many times because we have weak men and we have weak families that results in weak churches because many times we have weak men and it's a burden on my heart that we have young men and that we have men who act like men quit you like men and be strong uh, the Bible says there's a certain role and responsibility that we as men have. And Deborah, she stepped into that role when no man would lead. She even had to encourage Barak to go to battle in verse 14. We read down there. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord had delivered Sisera into thine hand. And she says, Is not the Lord gone out before thee? <laughs> it's almost as if <laughs> Deborah wakes Barak up and says, get out of bed. The armies of Sisera, Jabin the king, has sent Sisera as general to 
fight against Israel. What are you doing sleeping? What are you doing eating your potato chips and watching your NFL football game? Get going. Get your sword. Get the armies. And let's go into battle. I mean, Deborah, it seems, is the one who's even telling him to get up and get going. She had remarkable faith during a very dark period in Israel's history. Deborah was a strong woman, brave and courageous. She also had humility. She did not seek this position of being judged. God called her to it. God gave her the role. God gave her the privilege of being a prophetess and a judge. She did not seek it out. She warned Barak of the consequences of a woman fighting the battle that the men should fight, down in verse number 9. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera unto the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. As Barak continued to twiddle his thumbs and shuffle his feet, and say, I don't know if I want to take on this responsibility, Deborah. It's going to be a lot of work. You know, I might get hurt out there. I can just hear Barak. I don't know. It means I got to get up in the morning. I got to go and I got to get all these guys trained and we got to go out in the battle. I just don't know if I feel like doing that. I mean, things really aren't that bad after all under Jabin. Uh, you know, Sisera, he's, he's probably a, a pretty mighty guy. But, you know, maybe, Deborah, you can, you can do this. I mean, that's kind of the way it, it reads. Barak said unto her in verse 8, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. I, mean, I just, you know, what a wimp. What a milquetoast man. I mean, I love French toast. But I want the cooked, I tell you, Christos over here off teal. That is some French toast right there. Ooh, Texas toast, French toast. Oh, I mean, that is good stuff. But the stuff that gets put in the pan before it gets cooked up, the milk toast that's in the eggs and the bowl, that's slop. That's Barrick. He's the jellyfish. Spine, spine of a jellyfish. He's the jello husband. The jello man. I'm only going to go with you, De- uh, Deborah, if... I'm only going to go out there to battle if you go with me. Deborah, I want you to lead the way. I'll kind of come in there behind you. She says, okay. Then, the woman, then a woman's going to get all the glory. And I don't say that in a negative way toward women. That is not a chauvinistic statement. That is simply a statement that shows the weakness of Barak. At the same time, shows the strength and the fortitude of Deborah. She showed humility. She was even trying to give Barak every opportunity to be the leader. And sometimes wives have to do that because their husbands aren't the kind of leaders they should be. And it's tough. It's hard to be that quiet, have that meek and quiet spirit that Sarah had. And it's hard when a husband isn't the spiritual leader or the leader in the home like he should. It's hard to... Submit and to duck so God can hit the husband. It's hard to get out of the way. It's hard not to just totally take over and be an an, an I Love Lucy manipulator. And I'm not saying it's wrong to watch I Love Lucy, but if you watch I Love Lucy, she was a manipulator. And it's hard not to take take on that role of manipulator when your husband is weak and he's not the spiritual leader. That's hard. 
But God calls the woman to be still the, uh, the complementer, the helpmeet, though she may have to step up and take the kids to church because the husband won't. She may have to be the one on her knees. She may have to be the one to have to do more, but ultimately she's still constantly ducking, submitting, so God can deal with her husband, and she still has that meek and quiet spirit so that her husband can be one to the Lord, or God can deal with him so he'll step up in his role and responsibilities. It's a tough place. Derek, or excuse me, Barak, Barak did not step up as a husband as a leader like he should have, and Deborah had to step in, and she was even trying to give him opportunity to lead, and he just wouldn't do it. And so she had to be the courageous soldier. And we understand bravery and courage are not exclusively masculine traits. Okay? All of us husbands whose wife has bore a child or children for us she is a brave, courageous person. <laughs> I'm telling you, you watch your, your, you watch your child or your children be born, it raises your level of respect and appreciation for your wife to whole new levels. And our wives are courageous and strong in, in many ways. And Deborah was even willing to go to battle. She had to lead Barak out into battle. She's telling him there in verse 14, get up, let's get going. There is a battle to fight. And there is a bravery and a courage that uh, women exercise uh, frequently. And sad to say, sometimes men uh, are the weak ones. But she was a courageous soldier. God providentially gave Deborah and Barak the victory. As if we had time to read down, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we're running out of time. But we read that in verse 16, Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host unto Herosheth of the Gentiles, and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. So Sisera escapes from the battle. He ends up at the tent of the wife of Heber the Kenites. The Kenites were the tribe of people who descended from Moses' father-in-law, Hobab. So Moses' father-in-law, Hobab, he was a Kenite. And so Jael is the wife of Heber, who descended from the Kenites, from Moses' father-in-law. And what does Sisera do? He's tired from the battle. It's hot. He's thirsty. She gives him something to drink, something to eat, and he lays down for a nap. And what does Jael do? She takes the tent peg... Whack. Right through his temple. He never knew what hit him. And he went into eternity. Most likely, as far as we know, went straight to hell. With a tent peg in his head, in his temple. And the women got all the glory. Led into the battle. Judge of the nation. Prophetess. And then... A woman was the one who ultimately brought the general of Israel's enemies to his death. And we know God receives the glory, ultimately, for this victory. But God used Deborah and God used Jael, two women who were used of the Lord 
each in their own unique way. And it shows the strength, the courage, the humility, and the faith of Deborah. But then, chapter 5, we also see her as a joyful songwriter. A joyful songwriter. And I'm just going to quickly, I wish we had time to read all 31 verses. I'm going to do a quick summary here. We see in Deborah and Barak's song, we see in verses 2 and 3, we see God's honor. Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. We see in verses 4 and 5, we see God's power. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. And then we see in verses 6 through 8, we see God's past deliverance. There's a recounting of God's deliverance, not just in this battle, but also in the days of Shamgar. And then in verses 9 through 11, there's a reference to God's righteous acts. My heart is toward the governors of Israel. Verse 11, they that are delivered from the noise of archers. Even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages in Israel. Then shall the people of the Lord go down to the gates. And then we see how the people responded in verses 12 through 15. How Israel came out into battle and helped win the victory. And then in verse 18 as well, we see Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. They were especially daring and risky in, in the battle and risked their own lives to, to win the victory. But sadly, in verses 16 and 17, there were some who did not come out. There were some in Gilead beyond Jordan. There were some in Dan and Asher that did not. The, the Asherites, they continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. They, they hid Sadly, some did not come out to the battle, but still God delivered them. In verses 19 through 23, the kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan. And then we see that God, of course, was on Israel's side. And then down in verse 23, curse ye Meraz, said the angel of the Lord, curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. And we see God delivering Israel and then verses 24 through 30, Deborah and Barak, in their song, they recount what Jael did in killing Sisera. He asked water, and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. Verse 25, she put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer, and with the hammer she smote Sisera. She smote off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. At her feet he bowed, he fell, he lay down. At her feet he bowed, he fell where he bowed. There he fell down dead. And we see the mighty conquest of the Lord. And then in the final verses, we see God's ultimate victory over his enemies and blessing that is reserved for his people. Verse 30, Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey? To every man a damsel or two. To Sisera a prey of diverse colors, a prey of diverse colors of needlework, of diverse colors of needlework on both sides. Meet for the necks of them that take the spoil. Verse 31, So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord. But let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. And the land had rest 40 years. God gave deliverance to his people. And there's a promise of deliverance to all who love the Lord, 
who walk in the light of the Lord. And then God gave Israel 40 years of peace. Sadly, they would resort, resort back to their sin of idolatry and immorality, and God would have to bring another judge, Gideon, by name. But this is a, a short summary of Deborah and how God used her. hope that it has been a help to us and an encouragement to us tonight. And let's bow for prayer as we close. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Deborah as we finish out this year, as we look forward to a new year. Lord, may we have the courage, the humility, the faith, and the leadership of a Deborah. Lord, help us as men to stand in the gap, to be the leaders that, Lord, you've called us to be, to take on the responsibilities. We thank you, Lord, for our wives and for women, Lord, who are strong and courageous, who serve you humbly like Deborah. We pray that, Lord, we will be uh, the examples that we should be uh, for our children, for our grandchildren, for those around us. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Pray you guide and direct in the remaining days of this year.